Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you have already shown us today, the way that our debt is gone, Lord. Thank you for the fact that we are kicking off this Christmas season and that we get to celebrate you and the things that you did for us. And Lord, I just pray that this would be a time where we would see your love more clearly. I pray that you would help us to open up our eyes to the things that you are wanting us to hear today, the things that you want me to say, Lord. And I just thank you again for the amazing way that you've blessed us today. Amen. Has it not been an exciting morning already? Do we just need a collective deep breath? Just, okay. So, good morning. Um, If we haven't met or if you have really bad short-term memory, my name is Emily. Um, You're probably used to me starting off the service, giving you announcements, telling you how much debt we have left to pay. So, no more of that. You don't ever have to hear that again. Um, But when we were talking about the concept for this series, the guys told me that since it was my idea, I should get up here and speak. So here we are. Um, But they let me try out the big screen first, so I'm excited about that. Um, Isn't it amazing what we can do when our debt is paid? I mean, the first thing we do, we get a new fancy toy that helps us out, and we can see the words, and the people online can see better. So usually I'm more of a behind-the-scenes person, so I make our graphics or I read over our post or our content um, to make sure there's no weird spelling errors or weird prepositions or anything like that because I studied English in school, and let me just tell you, Christmas card season is very trying on people that know, you know, grammar and things like that. We go all year, and people know how to make words plural, you know, box, boxes, cat, cats. But if you ask them to make their last name plural on a Christmas card, we start sprinkling in apostrophes, and we start owning stuff. And so if you don't remember anything else I tell you today, just remember, no apostrophes on your Christmas cards. (laughs) Uh, But in all seriousness, today we're going to look at the second love language in our series, which is acts of service and how we can see that in God's love for us. So if you've been in church any amount of time longer than today, you know that typically when we talk about acts of service or serving, one of two things is going to happen. The first is we talk about all the blessings that are wrapped up in serving others, and then we hand out sign-up sheets and try to convince you to join a team, Um, which that's all true. Or it's Easter, and we're talking about the crucifixion and the way that Jesus died for us. So We're not going to do either of those things today. Um, What we're going to look at today is acts of service in the Christmas story. And there's so many examples. So you've got Mary being obedient when she shows up magically pregnant with Jesus. And ladies, can I get amen that being pregnant is an act of service? Um, We have Joseph who is staying with Mary when she shows up magically pregnant. And he knows that he knows for a fact that the baby is not his. We have the wise men who are bringing potpourri to cover up the smell of the barn. Those are all wonderful acts of service in the Christmas story. But what I want to talk about today is the main event, which is Jesus showing up and kicking off the events 
that lead up to us having the opportunity for a relationship with God. So before I jump into the scripture, I want to make sure we're all on the same page about how exactly acts of service works. So a lot of the time we think about, you know, I'm going to wash the dishes so my wife or my husband doesn't have to. Or I'm going to put gas in the car so my wife or my husband doesn't have to. Um, A really easy way to describe it is doing something for your partner that you know they would like or appreciate. Um, This is my preferred way to receive love. So how this plays out in our house, a lot of the time Nathan will go to the store, especially Walmart, because I can't stand to be in Walmart. Um, So if we need something, he'll go to Walmart or he'll clean the floors or just do something like that that he knows that I would appreciate and that way I don't have to do it. But as I was thinking about this particular love language this week, something that I think we miss when we look at it a lot is that for it to be successful, the person looking to express love has to sacrifice something. They have to give up something. So whether it's their time or their comfort or their preferences, they have to be willing to give something up. So that's one of the main reasons that I think that this love language is a really good lens to look at acts of service on the Christmas story. So let's get into what the Bible says about it. Um, Today I only have one thought, and this isn't like a Ryan thought where it's a point with like 13 subpoints. Like we're going to have one point. (laughs) And the point is that God shows us abundant love in unconventional ways. So Isaiah 9-6, the prophet Isaiah inspired by God, described the future coming of Jesus by saying, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So I told y'all I'm a language junkie. So at the beginning, there's two sets of prepositions. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. What do gift tags usually say? To, from. So last week, Ryan talked about how within the Trinity, God exists at all times as God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit simultaneously. Think about it like a men's three-in-one shampoo, conditioner, body wash. It's always shampoo. It's always conditioner. It's always body wash. It's always bad for you. Um, (laughs) But within the Trinity at all times, God is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he's one. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, he's another. At all times, three in one, always. So what that means that Isaiah is saying is that Jesus willingly and voluntarily left perfect heaven and his seat at the right hand of God to come to our messed up and imperfect world as a baby to offer redemption to all mankind. So he stepped out of heaven willingly to come here and hang out with us to save us. It means that Jesus put aside his divinity, his power, and his bladder control to introduce mankind to his father. It means, like John 3.16 says, that God gave us his only son for 33 years for the chance that we would choose a relationship with him. I mean, talk about an act of service. It becomes even more clear when we look at the logistics of Jesus' birth, so In Luke 2, 6 through 7, it says, While Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there wasn't room for them in the inn. 
So if you're like me, you probably have a nativity at your house or more than one. I have a small one that my grandma gave me when I was little, and it has cute little, they almost look like children figures, Mary, Joseph, and angels, some wise men, some sheep. And they're all smiling, and they look happy. They're all wearing white. They're nice and clean. But if you really think about the logistics of giving birth in a barn, nobody would be smiling. Nobody would be clean. Nobody would be wearing white. So to paint a picture, Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, starts his life on earth by being born to an unwed girl in a foreign country in a barn because they couldn't get a room at the hotel. So if we're thinking about who Jesus is, he's God, he's Jesus, he's the Holy Spirit, and then he shows up on earth not with trumpets and fanfare and praise. He's born to a girl who's not married in a country that they're not from, in a barn. So in addition to leaving heaven and his power, Jesus immediately sacrifices his own comfort to fulfill prophecies made thousands of years ago about what the Messiah would be like and what he would do. If that's not enough, shortly after his birth, he's forced to flee the country with his family because the king is searching him out and trying to kill him. And that's all to fulfill prophecy. You know, God said, I'm going to call my son out of Egypt. Well, if he's born in Bethlehem, we got to get to Egypt. And so Herod is running around looking for Jesus, trying to kill him. And in Matthew 2, an angel comes to Joseph and says, y'all have to get out of Bethlehem. You have to leave. You need to go to Egypt. So Jesus has given up all of the things that we've talked about, showed up on earth in inconvenient, unconventional circumstances, and he's immediately running for his life before he can even walk. So now we can add safety to the list of things that Jesus has given up in order to show us his love. So are you starting to see the sheer volume of what all Jesus gave up just by being born? I think a lot of the time at Christmas we think about it and it's, oh, it's a baby, it's so sweet, you know, it's beautiful, we're all wearing white and we're hanging out in the hay and it's like glamping or a really fancy wedding at one of these wedding venues, but that's not what it was. So we've talked about what all he gave up. Let's look at the unconventional nature of how God showed his love at Jesus' birth. So it also means that when the world needed a hero and a savior and a last chance at redemption, God sent a baby. So I don't know about you, but all the great superhero movies I've ever watched are not about babies. There's no babies in the Avengers. There's no babies in the Justice League. Those are like full-grown adults, not babies. But in Matthew 1, 21, it says, And Mary shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And we often talk about, as people, you give your kids names based on, you know, qualities you want them to have or things you want them to do. So you might name them Joy because you want them to make people happy or to make people smile or Bella because you want them to be beautiful. Can we just talk about the weight that you're putting on a kid if you name him, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, because he's going to save his people from his sins? That's a lot to live up to. And we often talk about how God uses unlikely or unqualified people to spread the gospel and advance the kingdom. But I don't think we think about how that applies to the vessel that he picked for Jesus to show up on earth. 
He could have come any way he wanted. He could have showed up a full-grown man. He could have showed up a super strong giant like Goliath. He could have showed up a unicorn or riding fire or literally whatever he wanted. But he came down as a defenseless baby, and he lived with us for 33 years as a human. He went through childhood and adolescence and very briefly adulthood, and he knew what it was like to be human and to be tempted and to suffer. I mean, he's in the desert, and he's starving, and Satan says, hey, don't you want to turn this boulder into a $5 foot long? And he says, yes, I very much do, but I'm not going to. You know, he knew what it was like to be human. Is it any wonder since he showed up as a baby, that people in Jesus' own time didn't realize that they were walking with the Messiah. So if you're looking for a Savior and you're looking for someone that's supposed to radically change the course of history and a baby shows up in a barn, are you going to realize that that's the person that you're looking for? Probably not. How often do we miss examples of God love in our own life because it doesn't look the way we expect it to? So, you know, the thing that I kept thinking this week is if you're lonely and you're praying for a companion or a spouse, don't miss the relationships with friends and family that God's sending into your life. You know, you may think it's only going to look one certain way, but don't miss the babies, you know, don't miss the unexpected ways that God is sending his love to you. Um, this is going to be a very short message because I want us to have lots of time to think about the ways that God has unexpectedly shown up in our lives and the way that, you know, we miss the ways that he shows up when it doesn't look the way that we expect it to. So at the beginning, we said that acts of service inherently involves the giver being inconvenienced or having to sacrifice something. God gave up so many things through the birth of Jesus because he loved us and wanted the chance at a relationship with us. So he gave up his son, but he also, you know, as Jesus gave up his power and his comfort and all of that, he could have spoken perfection back into existence when we you know, committed the first sin, he could have said, just let it be back the way it was. He spoke everything else into existence, but he didn't. He made the conscious decision to serve us by sending his son and allowing him to be here and understand what it's like to be human. I would argue that this is the ultimate act of service because you can't have Easter without Christmas. You don't get the death and resurrection without the birth. So God's love for us was literally wrapped up in the form of a baby in a stable 2,000 years ago. That was the embodiment of God's love for us. So today, I want us to spend time reflecting on and thanking God for the ways he has shown us that he loves us. So I've told you about one major way Jesus coming to earth and kick-starting the events that lead up to the death and resurrection taking our place in hell, defeating death, and offering us the opportunity to be saved from our sins. What other ways has God shown his love to you throughout your life? It could be, you know, your own salvation story. If you're in this room and you're a Christian, we all have one. You know, you were lost without him. You met Jesus. He loved you, and now your life is forever different. So 
In closing, I just want us to take time to reflect on the ways that God has shown us his love that we might have missed and to praise him for the ways that he's shown us his love. As a church, we have a big one today. Our debt is gone. And if you think about that and you think about the size of our congregation and the size of our debt, it doesn't really make sense for us to have been able to pay it off this year. So let's just take a minute several minutes, more than one, um, and think about the ways that God has shown us his love throughout your life and to say thank you. Because isn't that what you do when somebody gives you a gift, even if you don't like it or you don't need it, you say, oh, thank you. It's like that video of that little boy, he gets an avocado, and he says, it's an avocado, thanks. (laughs) And I think anything that God has given us is better than an avocado for Christmas. So let's just take a minute and think about it and say thanks.
us adore from your heart to his whole come let us adore him oh come let us adore him christ the lord oh come oh come let us adore oh we worship you oh come let us adores none like you oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord oh hear oh hear the angel voices sing come let us adore him peace has come circumstances. I don't know what you're going through, but man, that, that word was a powerful word, a powerful reminder. Thank you, Emily, for delivering that. Man, it was such a powerful word. <laughs> to ponder. So true, we gloss over. We, we sanitize the nativity. thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful for what Jesus did. Have a great week, guys. I love you.